Can you hear me? All right, you're talking now. I'm talking right now. Can you? You got me. Uh, uh, check, check. Yeah, I've got you. It's not coming through my headphones for some reason. Oh well. I'm in a public place because I have no office. Welcome to Fish Food. This is our church planting edition. We have with us today Reverend Harris Bond. He is planting a church in Monroe, Louisiana. Um, so I'm, I'm Harris Bond, and um, with along with my wife of 12 years, uh, Laura Beth Bond, Laura Beth Shields Bond um, from South Mississippi. But I grew up in Yazoo City, Mississippi. I worked under a seasoned pastor who had been there at that time uh, around 30, maybe bumping into 30 years, and that was 15 years ago. And and as pastors come and go, he didn't. And God was heightening the work of his spirit. And who's the one pastor that had the relationships? Well, he did because he pastored not just the congregation, mm. but the town, the county, the community. And that, uh, I mean, to me, that sounds like a no-brainer, um, but, but that probably had the most foundational and shaping influence that mindset of your your parish is where you live it's not a church building it's not a congregation although you do certainly love and shepherd the flock that god's given you um it he pastored the community and Mm -hmm. i had little webs of rich relationships uh in town that had little to do with the church and i think i learned the most at that time in that kind of framework. And that probably God was using that to, to shape my sense of calling the whole time. So do you think, I mean, you know, it's interesting you talk about, you know, kind of being a pastor of the, of the town. Um, I was in Arkansas for a while in a smaller town and, and it felt like I could, it was a town I could get my arms around. So you really do feel like you can, um, you're not just pastoring the congregation, but a, but a bigger picture. It seems to be easier in a smaller town than like say, you know, I'm in Baton Rouge and mm-hmm. we're in South Baton Rouge. So there's a sense in which we can go, okay, we can, this is our parish. South Baton Rouge is not all of Baton Rouge, but it seems right. like a little bit harder to grab hold of defining what that is. Uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Mississippi. You only have Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and even where I've been the last uh, prior to moving to Monroe, Louisiana, um, 11 years in um, another small town, which was Sylacauga, Alabama. Yeah, the smaller town, the, the more straightforward, easy that is. Your inroads come about more quickly uh, because those inroads into a smaller community are connected to all the other roads, you know? Right. So it's right. certainly um, easier uh, on that. And, and a beautiful thing about small towns, uh, I will say uh, as well, um, as you get bigger and I'm, you know, Monroe, Monroe, West Monroe, um, the, the, the area Metro population is in the neighborhood of 150,000. Um, depending on how you count it, some people go way higher on that number. Um, it still feels like a small town, certainly. I, 
but um, but there are differences. And I think that to use that word perish, it's everybody has webs of relationships and their networks. Mm-hmm. And and those networks will take you in certain different directions of life rhythms and habits. And so um, no matter how big a place it is, and I think so the, the, the idea of your community or your where God has called you, regardless of your vocation, specific vocation, that becomes your parish. Mm-hmm. And then it's a matter of, you know, what does it more specifically look like in your life stage and all that. Um, and so I think, I think that's probably how, how to think of it, um, depending on how large your, your place is. Sure. Um, you know, I know someone who is in uh, a certain section uh, of Monroe um, and, and he's a church planter um, and it's in the South side of Monroe, uh, almost exclusively African-American. And, but he's focusing in on specific neighborhood. So for him, it's clear, like right. what, what he's not going to do and what he's going to do, you know, and that is one way of doing it. Um, I'm, I'm more of a, of a, of a, a moving blob in terms of my community and it's growth, you know, it's developing the longer I live here as well. So when did you get the itch to church plant or, or why, <laughs> why did you go that direction? What's the- right? Well, I, I will, I'll say this. There was no particular itch. We were not looking, uh, we, we were not looking to leave where we were, uh, in Alabama, um, at all. Um, we there we weren't itching in that sense. We weren't looking around. No one was trying to get us to leave. I'm grateful to say that's good. Uh, yeah. Um, and although I have been enthusiastic support of particular church planters um, personally, but also as a pastor in an established church, um, and uh, was you know so, somewhat just an, an interested. Uh, mild level participant in just in, uh, in, in our, in the Presbytery where we were in central Alabama uh, church planning network. And, uh, and, and when we, our church as a, as an established church supporting a couple of church plants was always such a huge blessing personally, but also for our church because it just kind of, there's so many distractions uh, of programs and things in the church. And then it just helped get clarity on, you know, we're, we're called to make disciples mm. Mm. and it, to make disciples and, and bless where God has called us with the gospel. Um, and that was just having that kind of to be refocused back into us was just was huge. And so in that sense, and that was all that church planting, but I never would have considered it myself. I said, she's sealing back up. We, Laura Beth and I would <laughs> not have considered ourselves uh, as people who would be uh, church planters. Um, when we were initially contacted, when he first called me, I was like, what in you are hard up. Like, why are you talking to me on this? And it wasn't just him. Uh, picking a name, it, there there was more behind the scenes of, of just people who we know each other, uh, and just seeking you know 
culture fit and who might be called and all that. And I just, I knew exactly what red flags to, to report with, you know, and I'll tell you what they were. I, I, I think of myself as more of a long distance runner with people than a sprinter, just a long haul right. pastor. And I still believe that. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, my mind thought, well, to be a gatherer, a church planter, you have to be a sprinter in the long haul. Does not matter? I, that's, that's not, that's not accurate. Uh, that's what I thought. I do think people have in their minds that a church planter is a very specific personality type. Uh, the sprinter, as you said, which, which has yeah. a lot with it, <laughs> that, that idea. Yeah, yeah. 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 And God does call us into different, different skill sets at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm you know, big believer in that um, as well. And, and there are, there are hidden skills or hidden gifts, um, at least hidden from that person's eyes. Mm-hmm. So we were not looking for it. We were initially approached. We were very skeptical. We said, no, basically, Laura Beth and I begin to, as we discussed it, it was um, in God's timing. You know, we were just reevaluating our whole, you know, I've, got, I've gone through my 30s with a better awareness of my skill sets and of my weaknesses and of my strengths. Mm. And so uh, we're, we were already trying to assess those things anyway. And it just led to, you know what, have conversations with people. And so that began into uh, conversations with, with other people in the Mid-South Church Planting Network at large in terms of, uh, you know, church planters asking church planting questions, which is very important. And I was just, we were all, I know we were surprised. It, I was surprised in all of that. I'm sure other people were too. Um, and that led to, you know, just kind of next steps in the process in a presbytery, of course. Um, and then uh, culminating in, in probably what really was the game changer for us in terms of turning from skepticism to maybe God has been preparing us for this the whole time. And that was, that was the uh, MA mission of America church planner assessment process. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've never done the assessment process. I've always wanted to do it. And I think there's a, there's an intimidation factor to the church plan assessment. There shouldn't be. <laughs> You know, right, trust in a sovereign God, and we go. It's you know, sort of like, yeah. sort of like I always tell would tell the students at Bellhaven when I did RUF there. We'd have the dating night. We talk about dating and say, "What are you yeah. guys? What are you afraid of? Rejection? Well, it's in God's providence. If you know, thank God you got rejected. That's not the one. Yeah. But the church planning assessment is sort of the same way. Is that um, you know, I think I think it's guys going, in, especially couples going in to church planning assessment and trying to. Trying to figure out, trying to get advice, self-awareness, um, and the fear of either you finding out that you shouldn't be a church planter, or your spouse finding out that you shouldn't be a planter when you want to be. How, how did that? Yeah. Uh, what, did that what did that look like? Well, it, it, as fearful as we were going in, and, and Laura Beth was really fearful, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and I. I, I kind of saw it as, um, kind of like, you know, I said I went to my 30s with a better uh, sense of yourself, of myself. Um, and somebody jokingly described it 
for them, this was their experience as a spiritual and vocational colonoscopy. And I thought, well, you know, I think I'm at that point. Maybe I need, you know, that kind of deal. That was my opinion of it going into it. And it's rigorous before you even do it because of, of the, uh, the application process, the, the tools that are used on with many people who know you and see you in action in your best and your worst and doing all that. And, and, and then on that basis, it's okay, let's come to actual assessment. And um, I remember my wife saying, Oh no, it, it, you know, she was having flashbacks to like rush. Um, <laughs> but it was not that way. Once you got there, <laughs> it, I cannot say enough good things about what is happening with M&A and PCA in terms of assessment for mm. church planters. And really, I, I kind of wish there could be a way to, should, there can be a way to do this with pastors and or pastoral candidates in general. It was the best thing we've ever done for our marriage. Wow. And it's the best thing we've ever done um, just in terms of sense of calling and vocation. Um, I don't, you come away with a very uh, fairly accurate as anybody could get feedback of your strengths and your weaknesses in very specific ways. Um, uh, there may be hidden strengths that you didn't know and you need to know. Um, and that happened, you know, immensely, especially with my wife. Um, she had all the hidden strengths that, that she just didn't think she had. And, 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 and it was so evident and she, she, my wife, uh, and I was just in awe of her in this because God's really created her to be uh hospital. Uh, she is gifts, like Holy spirit gifted at hospitality mm. and drawing people in, it's in, in, very, in, in, you know, very simple ways in, in our home, um, and other ways too. And I don't think she was aware of that. I, I kind of, well, I was, <laughs> But she wasn't, and, and but that's a big deal. That, that's a a beautiful thing. Um, and uh, and in those aspects, and a big part of assessment is, um, you know, there, there's a part where where you kind of present your call or your sense of calling, and but they don't want the husbands to do all the talking. And it was amazing how when one wife was 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 up there describing her. You know deliberations and 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 prayers and sense of calling and figuring that out and otherwise we're hearing that is very, very powerful um but it's very pastoral even if it came out of you know what you're not not recommended or you might be recommended in a number of years but not yet even if that were to happen you come out with such a greater awareness of what God is doing in your life, where you're, you know, just of your marriage. So yeah, there are aspects of it where you're laying your guts on the table and it's, and that, you know, but it's good. And the people, the way it has been conducted is, is just, it's for our good. Um, and it's very wise. It's honest. Um, yet it's loving. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it, it, and there's also relationships that get developed in mm. the midst of that as well. Mm. One of my assessors, um, is now my coach. 
you know, and, and so really that's just, it's like a continuation of that assessment process in many ways. It is probably the most valuable tool for a, a presbytery or church planning network or a local church if they are um, considering somebody, you know, for planting. It's just, it's gold. That's great. That's great. So there's, there's my, uh, not I didn't get paid for that advertisement. That's right. There's, we're not, they're not sponsoring this interview. They didn't even know we're having this interview. That was excellent. Okay. So, so, uh, so you've got the, the mission to North America church planning assessment, and then you've talked about the mid South church planning network where Hunter Brewer was yeah. starting to kind of see where you were and that, that connection, how is that relation? Is there a relationship there and how did that work to where, to where you're now on the field and you're. Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing is, is simply, um, and they're there, the network exists to encourage and uh, uh, be a catalyst for presbyteries and churches to do the church planting work of presbyteries and churches. Um, Recognizing that God uses many, many different ways to bring these things about. Um, And so for our experience, I really think it was a, it was a thoughtful um, multi-council, you know, uh, kind of recruitment, you know, um, you know, they're not, the network doesn't place planters, but they are a wonderful, that's not the job description. Um, they are a great resource to be able to say, you know what, we've had some church planting people ask church planting questions, and here's what we're saying on the basis of that with this, you know, with, with us, for example. Mm-hmm. And on that basis, um, said, you know, give this guy a look. You know, kind of at some level of endorsement, I guess you could say. I think that's just huge. Um, uh, no, no one search committee of a church or a presbytery um, can, can always do do it to that level. It's just it's just a great help. Um, and and so that was the front end of it. The other side of that is. Um, being a part of a larger network of churches and presbyteries in partnership with the network of asking the Lord, where, where are those fields of harvests that are ripe and what are we doing about it? And then the third thing that, that's so that we would not be doing this. I don't think without the Mid-South Church Planning Network. And that is the, um, the sense of community among other planters. And look, we're all scattered right now, especially, um, you know, what, what, what initially grew out of something that was kind of in the Memphis area and going into Arkansas, you know, now, you know, is, goes into South Louisiana and the Gulf Coast. We're, we're scattered about, and it's hard to, to get people together but there is a community of church planters who are in the, the true warp and woof of, of ministry. I really like it's what's one of the, it's just great to hear. Look, I'm just, I'm a rookie. I'm just starting out. There's other guys who have planted before or they're just further along and they're sharing their ups and downs and it's just very healthy. 
Um, and then uh, Clint Wilkie um, uh, is, and Hunter would, you know, would have done this too. I mean, there's a sense in which he's a coach as well. Right. All of that. And then the training um, that is uh, being provided for planters um, through the network. I can't imagine doing this without the network. And so that's why I just, I just think it's a, I'm a believer put it that way. That's great. That's great. So how long have you been um, boots on the ground in Monroe now? We moved in June 2019. So we've been here a year. Mm -hmm. um, as we moved here, and, you know, got a house. And you know, by the way, it was a, uh, a grief uh, to leave where we were. Mm -hmm. uh, deep relationships. Um, that's our, our children's family in many ways. It still is and always will be. Um, but just um, kind of settling into a new house and all of that um, in that in that last summer uh, and beginning to explore around. We This is a true scratch plant. That is to say, there was no prior core group uh, or interest group whatsoever. Um, there is no PCA presence in the area. Um, there's not, there's little PCA presence in all of North Louisiana. Mm. And, and so really we're kind of moving there, um, without knowing anyone, um, culturally it's like coming home in terms of growing up in the Delta. There's just a lot of similarities to the Delta culture, mm. except it's a totally different network of people. Right. And so, um, and so just kind of getting into those kind of networks, um, is a process because um, the work of church planting, I believe, is not let's stick a flag in the ground and start a worship service. Now, you could do that. I believe um, you might hear crickets or you'll, you may just get some people who are churched, probably wonderful people, perhaps, or maybe disgruntled people, and you kind of do your own little well, uh, as Hunter Brewer like has said, uh, you can have your own little Presbyterian chapel for Presbyterians. And that's, I'm not so sure that's church planting. The way that I'm seeing it is it's the work of networking, evangelism, and pastoring at large, out of which God, by his grace, begins to gather and establish a gospel community, a church that's that's that is wielding those beautiful means of grace um, uh, in the power of the Spirit. But it's that broader work of networking and evangelism, and 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 that you know what we were talking about, parish pastoring. Right. I think that's the broader baseline work, um, and it's not unique to church planting, really. It's pastoral ministry, I believe. It's the exact same work that established churches do and should do, um, um, but, but, but here we're kind of doing it from the ground up. So it's a process, and when you don't know anybody, it's, it's going to be a, by design, learning the culture or cultures of your communities, where you are, and being a good student as you get to know people, as you 
begin to participate in the same life and life rhythms, children and school and, uh, um, and just uh, festivities or, or whatever. And but actually, as we've done that, there was begin to be an orbit of people, whether it was in our immediate neighborhood where we lived uh, or other kind of contexts, there began to be an orbit of people and a slow build of momentum into kind of a, a sweet spot, I'm going to say. And what would make the sweet spot a sweet spot and there is a niche of unbelievers, unchurched, who in God's mysterious ways is drawing people. Mm. Um, and that's, that's when you know there's traction. Mm. Um, and so I'd say we've been here a year. Um, that's, uh, we, we have seen such traction. I'm happy and encouraged to say. And we entered into a sweet spot um, and thought, uh, you know, now is the time to kind of have a gathering. And it was going to start in early March. <laughs> mm. And um, and I couldn't wait to see what the Lord was going to do. Um, and so uh, and and so everything kind of and I can tell a story about that. But I um, so anyway, yes, coronavirus has definitely inserted itself. You know, pandemic and how that hovers over everybody, and that did kind of uh, interrupt momentum. Uh, but um, in the meantime, there were other other relationships during quarantine, during an aftermath of a tornado, um, aftermath of a heart attack. If things have opened up, we're, we're kind of doing that whole process again um, with, with some different tweaks. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll start something in August. In a year of being there, a tornado <laughs> come through, you had a heart attack, and the coronavirus has hit. And yet, God is still at work drawing people in, relationship building, um, and wanting, thinking August may be something. Yeah, praying, we're definitely praying for that. It looks after Labor Day. That's cool. Um, we, we're having a, right now, we're having a series of little informational meetings. Um, they're, they're by design kind of small and multiple. Um, but they're really by design, small and multiple, also because of just trying to be responsible at it for safety and uh, COVID concerns. But anyway, we, we, we've had a couple of them already, and we're going to have more kind of continuing through August. And um, with some good encouragement, encouraging, you know, um, things from those already and some buy-in. Um, but, but the prayer is that as we continue, not only doing that, but just having people over and we were having people over. We're not, we, we used to have large groups over socially, um, wonderful. That's kind of how we got the momentum going. Mm. Um, but now because of the pandemic concerns, we're, we're having smaller groups over and just doubling down just that relational one-on-one ministry. Um, but the prayer is that, that that God might kind of grow that momentum into such a sweet spot. It's a timing thing with people, particularly kind of if somebody says, no, I don't do a Bible study. Like that's just something I don't do. I don't really, I'm not sure I believe all this stuff, but let's keep talking about it. Okay. I'll do it right now. That's part of the sweet spot. 
And so I'm praying for that to happen again. Um, and, and the thing is, I'm totally insecure. I, we don't know what the future is. We don't know in terms of how uh, the cases, and of course, in Louisiana, as you know, in Baton Rouge, we're, we've, we're, still, we're still, you know, pretty hot. Um, and that has a hovering psychological effect over everybody. And so it makes people are out and about, but, but not in a much slower, cautious way. And that, that impacts everything. Right. And so, but I'm still focused. I'm not going to wait. You're also, uh, you know, as a part of, I don't know if you call it strategy or, uh, if you had planned this sort of, uh, before you got there or after you got there, you're doing evangelism, uh, stuff with Al Dayhoff, the cohort. How did that come about and how is that playing into Mm what you're doing in, in your church plant. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you're mentioning Al Dayhoff is a PCA pastor has a, a minute thing called evangelize today uh, ministries. He likes to take people, um, particularly pastors, but not exclusively into wherever they are in their lives. And he is trying to get people who, have been very ingrained in habits um, to make a shift in our relate how we relate to people. And the shift is from listening in order to reply, mm. which we're, we, we do without all of us do, to listening to people in order to hear them, in order to hear the image of God mm. um, at work. And when we do that, not only is there a bond, relational bond created, um, where people begin to open up their lives and you're opening up your life, um, but uh, but there there begins to be this listening informed open doors for the gospel, as opposed to merely, and I'm gonna emphasize the word merely because it's always a hybrid of merely just, okay, I'm going to come to somebody and give them a presentation and, and without really you know, inquiring. And, and I think, uh, you know, different people are on a spectrum in terms of uh, if, if, if they're applying themselves and sharing the gospel. And so kind of seeing something to create, to correct, um, and so it's a great conversation. It's a great, uh, but we're so used to, especially in a reformed Presbyterian world where we, where there's been such an emphasis on, you know, let's, we're thinking out our theology and we should, but often it's this, if, it had, if you encounter a problem, you know, in your thinking and you, you think more, uh, and think more. Yeah. Um, but, uh, as, uh, even to go back to my Richard Wyman in Humphreys County, Mississippi, pastoring the community vein. Uh, look, we, where you are engaging people as people, you know, let's just call that field work. You know, that puts your convictions and your practices rubber hitting the road. Um, it proves and refines. Um, you know, oh, our thinking. So all that's important. 
So for me personally, I was already wrestling with those very issues in my own life. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I've, and I've been everywhere in terms of evangelism approaches. Um, I, I had no idea how mentally healthy, vocationally reinvigorating and personally it has been to find myself not in the confines and structures of an established church as much as I think those are good. Right. But to be more quote unquote out in the wild um, has, I I didn't realize how natural when when my church planning coach was telling me this yesterday. So this is why I'm saying it, but uh, it, it, it it has, this has been way more natural and pleasurable um, than I ever thought it would, that ever knew it would be. Um, and so that all that's been a very, I'm very grateful of that. Do you find that, that, I mean, just hearing you say that, do you find that when you went into ministry in the very beginning, that that's what you wanted, but it became something else? Ah, that's a great question. You're kind of coming back to it. That's because that's what I'm feeling. <laughs> you're talking about it. That's what I'm feeling. <laughs> well, that, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because, because I've, that's not unique, obviously, to me. Yeah, I'm, my, my answer is yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, that was going on. I do believe that there are many people who, who do come into ministry with a burden for the lost, um, with a desire to, uh, to see people grow in grace. And what happens is, uh, look, there's this inertia of church culture um, where people are very concerned about, you know, uh, the building or the ministry. Um, they become something that, that a kingdom unto itself to build and protect and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it happens. I mean, it, it's just, I think it's just part of our self, our, our selfishness. I mean, our sin nature, our, our self-turned nature. But, <clears throat> but uh, so what happens is, is over time, um, you can you back yourself into habits, um, the concerns of pleasing people, um, legitimate pastoral issues with people, um, and then you you end up without even realizing it, filling up all of your life space and ministry space inside the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'll raise my hand like quickly on that, that, that certainly was. And uh, there, there was a moment where you kind of wake up one morning and say, wait a second, this is not why I got into ministry. Right. What is going on here? Okay. Now I will say a couple of things. Uh, one of my, a, a very meaningful aha moment was with um, our session in Alabama of, wait a second, we need to free our pastor up mm. in unchurched relationships. Hmm. And if we don't make sure we're doing that, then, you know, and, and I was like, that's, in other words, I can have that realization, but we need to have that realization. But I did have that realization. Um, and I would say, praise the Lord, 
if you have that realization because you're having that realization. Um, and because that, I think I would say that's one of the biggest changes that we need to have. How far into your um, memory there? How long, how far into it were you in that realization? For wow. I'm not sure how to answer that question because it's certainly a gradual thing. But um, if I was there 11 years, I don't know. I, I, I would say five year. Oh, it could have been year five or six. It, it, it coincided with um, a lot of pastors hadn't been there that long in that church. Uh, just, uh, and it was about year number five or six that all of a sudden everything began to click. Like relational capital was built. Mm. Um, I, I wasn't somebody that was looking to leave and go to another thing and stepping stone. Um, so nobody, like we were, nobody, you know, was waiting for suspecting that we might leave or anything like that. It was all of a sudden, like you love us and we love you. Hmm. Moment. Um, and, and also on a broader level in our community, um, and when, when that, when that happens, a lot of wonderful things can happen in ministry. And I think, I think it coincided with that moment. There was a, uh, lack, I don't know what word to use. Tension is what I'm going to use. The tension between loving the flock that God had given me and, and, and me to them, as well as people who were being added and shepherding people, um, ushering elderly saints to the threshold of glory, mm. which is a beautiful thing. Um, all of those things were beautiful and good, and also seeing vast swaths of need whether that is demographically or just individually in my town at the time mm. that we, that, that I, that number one were lost, needed the eternal life, needed Jesus, but also we needed those people to, to know Jesus better than and to see his kingdom better. Mm. And so there was a tension. I, and, and maybe I would say those two things ought to be intention. If there's not a tension, that's probably not a good thing. Mm. Um, and so I think uh, that, you know, we could have stayed in Alabama with that tension. I think that would be healthy and good. But I think God was also using that uh, to refine the, the sense of calling cool. in terms of planting. Right. All right, one more question because I know I know we've been on here for a while. Um, you know, going into a church plant, what are some things that you want to instill? What kind of DNA do you want to create in the church that you're planting um, that may be different than your ministry in the past in a church? What do you want to see happen in this church that's that won't that that won't lead it to just the normal programmatic busy yeah. church. Yeah. I think that, I mean, number one, and, and, and this isn't anything that I've done differently 
at all, um, or, or have not something I haven't striven for. Striven, strived. Um, number one is this: it is it is the emphasis of the rich grace for sinners, such that you may feel yourself totally dehydrated and parched and cracked and and no fuel in the tank Mm -hmm. and yet jesus says um if you're thirsty anyone is thirsty let them come to me and drink and rivers are going to flow out of you um i think um the default bible belt particularly it's not just a Bible Belt thing, is, is that um, the joy is sucked out of us all the time yeah. because we're not, we haven't done enough. We're not good enough. Um, and I, I just, that fountainhead, <laughs> to use that imagery, has just got to be the center. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of, that's the number one thing, but, but the other, the other stuff, and then how does that, how does that then affect our relationships? Mm-hmm. So there's kind of that, that, that fountainhead, that message of grace, but then there's a sense of modeling the culture mm-hmm. of grace, um, uh, which is really the nitty gritty of pastoral ministry and ought to be of growing too. Um, but, uh, so, but, but in that is simply fruitful welcoming and gathering. Again, not to um, be interned and and simply uh, feeding the, the 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 kingdom, the, your 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 mini kingdom, right? Um, the building and all that, but but welcoming and gathering. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and being fruitful in that. I mean, that, that's, that's how you know that you're doing that work. Um, and, um, and I think engaging across uh, the divisions of a, of a particular culture. Um, so Monroe, people like to say three biggest divisions, or they call them the three R. I personally might say this, and I think it's really good. Three R's. Uh, the river that runs between Monroe and West Monroe is a big dividing. It's a class division is what it is. Mm. Um, and it's divisive. Um, so class, um, where, uh, it is a, is a single mother who's working her tail off and making ends meet. Um, I think it often in, in some of our churches at large, just just kind of our, our story may not feel as connected or welcome. And I want to change that. Um, obviously that means ethnic, um, multi-ethnic engagement. Um, it, it, that's closely tied to class um, as well. And I just, I think where that's happened and you can only explain it by the Holy Spirit, then, then you know that, that there's there's greater works that Jesus promised are happening. Yeah, yeah. And I bring um, that's part of what we're striving for here. Right. That's excellent. 
Thank you for tuning in to Fish Food. Uh, you are listening to Harris Bond, church planner in Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, a couple of things that you might want to look up that uh, were mentioned in this podcast. One is the Presbyterian Church in America's Mission to North America. It's their church planting arm. You can go online at PCAMNA.org to find out more information. Um, Evangelize Today, uh, their website is evangelizetoday.info. And Mid-South Church Planning Network is midsouthpcanetwork.org. And if you would like to contribute so you can continue to do these podcasts, then look up Fish Food on Patreon.com. Much appreciated. Thank you for listening.